Are you all ready? Because this is going to be good. I want you all to do me a favor. I want you, you can keep coming, Che. We'll, we'll take your money even after I've started preaching. We'll take your money anytime. We just, we'll stop the service and take your money. No, I've, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me about what I'm going to preach on. He's been dealing with me for, on this for a long time. And it started with this question, in the world we're living in today, how do we live? The world's getting crazy. And um, if you're on Facebook, you know that. It's getting crazier. And, I'm, and it's sad that the church is getting crazy with it. And, I, and so I wanted to start preaching, and I started praying for, you know, move of God in church and, and, for, and for greater manifestations. And I began to realize that what's needed is for us to live holier lives. But that's not a, a, a word that Christians like to hear. It conjures up women without makeup and ugly dresses. That's just kind of holiness or legalism. And people just kind of back away from that, that word. It has a, so anyway, but still it's true. We need to live right. And so I, as I began to pray about it, I began to ask the Lord, how do I, how do I share this to where we understand how we as Christians should be living? Because we should not be, the world should not be telling, pressing us into their mold. We should be pressing them into our mold. We should set the standard on how people live. And in the nation today, it seems like they're trying real hard to create a new mold. And so, so I want to combat that. I want the church to rise up. So I want to start, so I decided to start teaching you on the love of God. Now, when I decided to teach you on the love of God, I created another set of problems because we have a weird idea about the word love. Um, the world today, their definition of love is phileo. All of the romance movies on television are all phileo love. And phileo love will break down and come to an end. Up until Jesus Christ came... All there was in the world was phileo love. He was the first person. Now listen to what I'm about to say because this is going to change your world. He was the first person to ever walk the earth with agape love in him. He introduced agape love to the world. Now the reason he did that and he couldn't do it before because you were incapable of walking in love until you were born again. So God gave us law because man was lawless. So he put us in the, in the restraints of law until he came. And the Pharisees had a time with Jesus. We still have a time with Jesus because I want you to think about what he did. When he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he's sitting there and he said things that were so radical. He said, you have heard it was said. He's quoting Moses. He is saying, Moses said, but... Don't worry about what Moses said from now on. You listen to me. Amen. How, did y'all understand how radical that was? You heard it was said that an eye for an eye and a, and a, and, but I say, 
but I say. And he did that all through the Sermon on the Mount. And it says that he spoke as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And they came to him and said, who do you think you are? So he introduced a brand new concept in the world called agape love. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be the people that the world patterns love after. We should not be less holy. We should be more holy. What a statement. We should not. See, people have often come along and said these words. They said, well, you know, you're just trying to bring us back under the law as though a Christian is supposed to be more lawless than an Old Testament saint. You're supposed to be more holy than an Old Testament saint because they couldn't be holy like you can be holy. You and I should set the standard. So Jesus said, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. In other words, when you were born of God, you were born of love. You're the son of love. You're the daughter of love. And the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. You and I should be walking in a standard way above David, Moses, and everybody else. What a mouthful. Isn't that incredible? So we shouldn't be conformed to the world. We should have, they should look at us and go, my God, you've been with Jesus. So you understand that when he came, he brought a brand new kind of love into the world that had never been. All right. In the book of Ephesians, I want to show you this because Paul is praying for the church. Are you all okay with this? Because we're going to rock and roll today. I want everybody to get excited right now. Are we going to keep, I'm going to keep you all to midnight tonight, just like the apostle Paul. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, Paul's praying for the church in Ephesus. I'm going to bow my knee to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you to be according to the riches of his glory, how, how rich is God, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in agape. Now, stop for a minute and let me make a statement to you right here. Whenever you, and as a born-again Christian, if you stop walking with God, if you stop walking with God, Christianity becomes laborious. You are trying to live for God in your flesh, and that's when you're always making statements like, I didn't have time to read my Bible. I didn't have time to talk to them about Jesus. I'm I just tore up and wore out. No, you're not. You're backslidden. You, fought, you stop fellowshipping with God because if you fellowship with God who's agape, you're going to get full of agape and you're not going to be living for God out of your flesh. You're going to be living for God out of your spirit. It's impossible for you to live for God with the God kind of without having fellowship with him. You can't do it. And that's what's caused re, uh, denominational Christianity. A denomination is nothing more than a bunch of backslidden Christians. Woo! Not me. And not this church. Come on, y'all. So listen to me as I read this. Thank you, Shirley. You're going to have to help me here a little bit. 
He's praying for you that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. You're going to have to walk by faith if you're going to walk in love because, because you're going to see this in a minute. Even though you're born again, you're going to have to put this on. All right, I'm home over here. Listen, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you think you're going to stop being ugly all by yourself, you are not. You're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to put love on. You're going to have to make a decision. Why would you make such a decision as this? Because the wages of sin is still death. If you're going to live carnal, you're going to eat it. Do you understand what I just said? Now let's talk about holiness just for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and just bomb y'all out. Carnality is killing you. It is wrecking your homes. It's wrecking your marriages. It'll wreck everything around you that you put your hand to. Carnality is not your friend. Sin is not your friend. You want to get as far from it as you can. That's the reason why when you have a bunch of preachers standing up to God don't heal no more, it's because they're backslidden and God don't answer their prayers because they're not walking with God. So we've created God in our image. We need to come back to the image that he said. The agape love of God, that's the image. Listen, Jesus, you, you got to get over this doctrine that Jesus went around making people sick to teach them. That's called a backslidden preacher who doesn't have the nerve to stand up in the pulpit and say, I don't, I don't walk with God. That's the reason why my prayers don't get answered. But if you walked in the love of God, you'd walk in the anointing of God. You'd walk in the power of God. As a matter of fact, if you walk in love, you're walking in God. If you want to walk in God, you're going to walk in love. And if you're not walking in love, you're not even fellowshipping with God at all. Woo! Y'all breathe. This is good, right? Let me read something to you. When you agape, you will keep the whole law. When you study agape, you study God. When you walk in agape, you walk in God. And when you're full of agape, you're full of God. Boy, that's powerful. So the world, Jesus said, they will know you by your love. They're supposed to look at us and go, they're not like everybody else. We're supposed to be patient while the world is ugly. We're supposed to be kind when they're mean. We're so, they're supposed to be such a difference in you and I that they say, what in the world it is you have? I mean, I want your life. Whatever you're doing, I want what you've got. You've got victory when things are bad. You get your prayers answered. I mean, when the storm comes, you are sleeping in the boat like Jesus. I want to know what it is you've got because what you got, I want because it's working. Because what I, phileo is a failure, but agape is not a failure. Agape never fails. So it's very important for you and I to learn this word. It's very important for you and I to learn to walk in the love of God. Does anybody say amen? Come on. So Paul is, is, is still praying. Look at what he says in verse 18. That, you, that I, I pray that you are able with all the saints, what is the width, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that you will be full of the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything you could ever ask or think according to the agape, the power that's working in you, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. 
Now he's praying that you would come to a knowledge of love. What God did for you. So we're going to study agape love. And let me make a statement to you. It's not what you think it is. It is a higher law than anything you've ever heard in your entire life. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Let's go over there. Shirley, if they get quiet on me, I need you to rev them up a little bit over there. I mean, I just. Now, I want you all to know it's the backsliders that don't holler. It's the one that don't walk. I mean, if y'all ain't hollering, we, we looking around going, man, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong about whatever. That person over there ain't said nothing the whole service. I'm wondering how they're doing with God. All right. We know Megan's right with God, don't we? All right. <laughs> don't you love these young kids up here that are on the front row hollering and shouting? I just preached them all week. But if I keep looking back, I just get depressed. Oh, my God. I mean, Jesus. So, so <laughs> I don't really. First Corinthians 13. Now, now, now let's start here because he's talking about, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, verse one, and you don't have love, you're just a slap zero. Whoa. Are you serious? Even if you have all knowledge and you could teach Andrew Womack, Kenny, and you don't have agape, you're a big zero with a rim knocked off. Woo, what a, what a statement. If you had all faith so that you could even move mountains and you are not walking in agape, you're still a big zero. More that, that'll wake you up. Yes. Amen. So you want to major on this, don't you? All right, I do. So it starts with verse four. It says, love suffers long and it's kind. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read that for years and years and I honestly didn't like it. And I probably didn't study it out like I should have. Now, this is kind of the way I thought about this. I always thought of that as being a Walmart scripture. <laughs> now, here's what I mean by that. You've, you've had this happen. You go to Walmart and you're standing in line and there's 10 people in front of you. And the girl is a newbie. And she's ringing up people and ringing up people. And your line over here is the same length and that one's the same length. But those move and those move and yours is slow. And you fit, get right up there, and the girl puts a sign that says, going to lunch, and sends you to the back of the other line that you just, and that's a Walmart scripture. And I've always hated that scripture, love is patient. Because I'm not being very patient right now. I'm standing in Walmart going, this is a joke. And then I'm thinking, well, don't complain. Because you're the one that paid, prayed for patience, and you're the one that God put you in this line so you'd learn something. So anyway, I've always read it that way, and, and it says, and while you're standing in line, be kind. And I'm thinking, I don't feel like being kind right now. And, and actually, that may be part of the truth, but that's really not what the word means. There's a reason that he started off, love is patient, because I think the word patient sets the stage for the rest of what he's going. So listen to the word what patience actually means. It means unmovable and steadfast. It means it's a person who does not move from the stand that he has taken. All right, let me slow down. What happened in a marriage today? What, what do we do when a boy and a girl want to get married, we bring them into a church service. We dress them all up. Everybody gets pretty. What are we looking for? We're looking for the statement that that girl is fixing to make to that boy. 
do you, uh, Susie Q, take Joe as your husband to be a wife to him from this moment forward? And she is to say with her mouth, yes, I take him as my husband. You are looking for that before they jump in the bed. You're looking at that before they get on with their marriage because you and I both know it's going to get tough. Is there anybody in here that will help any kids out and let them know that just because you in love does not mean there's not going to be a problem? So what's happened today is that we need to make sure that that girl is practicing agape love or patience because there's going to be a chance for her to go home to mama. And she don't need to go home to mama. She needs to stay there with that man and work that thing out. And the man, they're going to turn, you ain't just taking her home. She ain't, this ain't no vet you riding. This is a woman. This is a human being. You fixing to marry this girl. And when she wants to know that if things don't, if she burns the biscuits and if she starts getting a little bit ugly when she's 50 and seven, that you ain't running off with some girl at work. She wants to know that every, every morning you're going to wake up in that bed with her and you're going to go back in that bed with her and you're going to get up and work on the days you want to and you're going to work on the days you don't want to. And if you raise kids, you're going to be there for those kids. They want to know you're going to stay and do what you said. That's what the word patient means. God, now listen to me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake. Is that good news for you? Because some of y'all have screwed it up since you've been saved. And aren't you glad the moment you got goofy, crazy, you messed it all up, he didn't just pack his bags and go off down the road and leave you sitting there by yourself? But he stayed there with you, living on. He watched those dirty movies with you. He listened to that argument on the inside, and he stayed there. Do you understand? He brought a love the world had never seen. All they knew was a God of law, but the Pharisees did not know the God of love. So the first word for patience actually means to be immovable, steadfast. We hadn't even got started, and it's good already. If God is that way, should we be? Listen to this scripture I'm going to read to us. Psalm 15, 4. It says, a man swears to his own hurt, and he changes not. When are we going to get to the day when we said to somebody, we'd do something and we did it? When you gave your heart to Jesus, did you mean it? Or were you being serious from this day forward? You will be the Lord of my life. Why is it three, four years later, you threw the book down and changed? Because you're not being patient. Listen, I'm not here to entertain you. You should come to church because of what Jesus did. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Out of 52 weeks of sermons, I promise you, at least two of them I will bomb. If I don't, I'll make up a bad sermon just to, just to give you a bad Sunday. 
Oh, I'll do it anyway. I mean, I just, I, I go home and I just look at Lisa and I say, don't say a word. <laughs> I already know I did it all wrong. Oh, and I know the next week is half the crowd went to another church. You're only as good as your last sermon. What, ha- what, what, what happens to people when, you're, when your word doesn't mean a, anything? You went through class and said, this is my church. I'm going to tell you all something. God didn't change his mind. You did. And you're not going to be any better Christian in the next church. Come on, I'm, I mean, we might as well just nail it down. Is this too strong? No, it's not. This is holiness. This is holiness. People want to know that if you give your word, that's, that's your bond. If you say you're going to do something, do it. I mean, if it costs you, you do it anyway. Because you're no better person than your word. Now, I'm going to read something to you about God. God didn't do what he did for you because you're good. He did it because he's good. Okay. So love is patient. I'm not done with patience. Last week we talked about patience being giving grace. It means to give people time. Stop being in such a hurry with everyone and do not have a double standard. Now here's what I mean by that. Is I have a standard that says... Art, I'm only human. Be patient with me. I know I did it wrong, but be patient with me. But then my standard for art is you got 60 seconds to get it right. I'm going to tell you something. This is is why we have problems in marriages. Because your spouse, you did not marry a perfect person. And they may be working on it, and it may be taking them a little while to get this. But you need to be patient with people. If they're not getting it right, don't, don't, women, wives, I need you to listen to me. He's not changing because you nag. Men, help me out a little bit right now. There's no man on the planet that ever got nagged into obedience. Men, come on, y'all can say amen. I'll, I'll defend you. When he bombs, get behind him. Not to kick him in the backside, but to help him out. If he's a man, he will get up and he will go again. He's a warrior. He's a man. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. And he will fail at life. He needs his mama. He needs a wife. Men, I'm a, I'm, this ain't Father's Day, but I'm helping y'all out a whole lot right now. Okay, love is patient with people. The same thing with your wife. Um, She's not your maid. You be patient with her. And if she don't do it like your mama did, you ain't married to your mama. Woo! Okay. All right. So love is patient, and that's what patience means. Now, Proverbs 20, verse 6. Let's read this, and then we'll move on. Most men will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. That is very high in character, being faithful. Faithful to your wife, faithful to your husband, faithful to your job. I mean, you've given your word. You be faithful. 
to your children, you be faithful to your boss. In America today, that company that hired you does not owe you a job. Don't join the union and destroy him so he has to send all of his products to Mexico instead of you. If you don't like the company, start one, but you're going to need faithful workers. When I'm, I'm a company man. When I go to work in a company, they hired me. I work to make them money. They're, my boss said to me one time, he said, Morgan, we hate you. I said, well, that's encouraging. I said, why do you keep me? He said, you're the only son of a gun that we know will be here Monday. Everyone else, we don't know where they're even back. But Morgan, you always show up. So we, we, we do jobs that we don't make money so you can make money because we know that when we get the big jobs, you're coming. Now, your boss will take care of you if you'll take care of your boss. You know, there, this used to be standard in America in the 50s. People thought like this. Now they walk into a job and want to know what the package is and what you're going to do for me. And they don't know. Listen, most of the time, by the time they get you hired, you've already found another job somewhere. Boy, I'm saying do y'all think that, do y'all think maybe we need to set the standard for America? I think they need to look at us and find out how to act. Amen. You young people, I could teach y'all to make money. I can teach you to make, I will teach you how they will give you raises and no one else ever gets a raise. I'm just, I just told you one of them. Get to work early. Be happy all the time. Never complain. Work real hard as unto the Lord, and money will never be a problem. And getting a job will never be a problem. People will fight for you. And study your boss so you can take his job. All you other people, am I telling them the truth? Yes, I am. And that's not why you give me a raise, I'll work harder. You shut your mouth. That's like a, a, a stove going, you put wood in me, I give you heat. No, yeah, the stove's in, I send me heat and, and I'll put wood in you. You're going to have to put some wood in that stove. You're going to have to put some effort into this job if you want some money out of it. And work harder than every. Work like you own the joint, and you will. Okay, that's enough teaching the young people. Just <laughs> All right, the next one is kindness. Love is patient, and it's being kind while you're being patient. Are you all ready for this? The word kindness means to do kind deeds. God loves because he's good, not because you are. That went over real good. We're going to say that one more time. God did not make man because man, he made man so he could fellowship with us and he gave to us 
because he's good. I was in um, Haiti, and I'm preaching. Uh, the, the Bible school that I went down to preach in, they got the students off the streets. They were street kids and street preachers. They preached Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Jehovah Witness, and some voodoo. They preached whatever they heard. They didn't know nothing about nothing. So I got them in there, and for one week, I taught them redemption and got them all born again. They're preachers and weren't saved. So I'm preaching to these Haitian young people, and I'm about to preach to them to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're in here today, you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to show you how to do it right now. So right, in the, right at the end of it, I'm in the last day, and I'm going to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know they've got a thing. They're going to, they're going to try to sit there and wait till God does it. I know they're going to try it. So I looked at them, and I pulled a $20 bill out of my wallet. Now, $20 is a, is a month's wages in Haiti. So I pulled a $20 bill out, and I'm standing, I'm standing in a crowd of 54 Haitian boys and girls, young men and women. And I said, who wants this? Nobody said a word. They're thinking, this is a joke. Nobody would ever give us just give a month's wages away. So they, first of all, didn't believe that I was going to do it. They, didn't, they thought, well, this is part of the sermon, so we'll just sit here and look at him. So I, again, I said, who wants this $20 bill? And they're just quiet. I said, well, okay, one more time. Is anybody in here like to have this $20 bill? And one girl sitting back there kind of went, I would. And I walked over and I handed it to her. And when I did, there was a whole row of boys right here. That it dawned on them that I just walked by them with a month's wages and they didn't reach out and take it. And then she's back there having a Holy Ghost fit without the Holy Ghost. Because I just gave her what's equivalent to you making, someone just walking up and writing you a check for whatever you make in a month and just giving it to you for no reason just to give it to you. So I turned around and I said, now you think I'm going to take that back. I'm not. I gave it to her. And they're thinking, why would anybody just give a total stranger a $20 bill? I said, I didn't give it to her because she's good. I gave it to her because I'm good. And they went, oh. I said, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Every one of them jumped up and started speaking in tongues. Wow. Just that fast. They got it. They went, this one's not getting by us. And they reached up and said, I want that. And off they went talking. 53 out of 54, because one on my watch was still trying to figure it out, just took off in the Holy Ghost because they, they realized it's because God wanted to give it to them. And I had to get it into the fact that it's a gift for them. I had to get them into receive mode, and they, and they did. Now, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to say something to you all right now, and I want you to think, what did Jesus get out of dying for you? Nothing. Forever, he's stuck in a human body. 
forever he's got holes in his hands. For he did what he did, not for his friends, but for his enemies. And he did it for you with no strings attached to the gift. He did it because he loves you. That is agape. Love is kind. That's kindness. Does, did you respond? Many of you responded to that gift and said, I'll take that. And, resp- and if you walk in love, it proves you have learned to love like he loves. Woo. Called, that would be like the church or something. Okay. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Y'all are still thinking heavy about that, aren't you? Like, I never thought of that. He didn't get anything out of this. That's a lot of love, isn't it? That'll make you want to drop and roll and go, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You You actually will turn Pentecostal if you'll find out how much he loves you. You cannot sit there and be quiet thinking about the love of God. We're going to get into this a little deeper in a minute. We're going to see how many Pentecostals we got in this room. Luke 10, Luke 10 with me. Luke 10, 25. Behold, a certain lawyer, and we're not talking about a modern-day lawyer. We're talking about a doctor of the law, stood up and tested Jesus. Teacher, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Remember the word, eternal life. And he said, well, what's written in the law? What's your reading of it? And he said, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbors yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do it and you'll live. Can he? No. And he's going to, say, he's going to show he can't. Him wanting to justify himself. Now, what does he mean by that? Because natural human love does not love mean people. It only loves people who love me. It only likes people who like me. So he asked a a question, and he identified his heart. He said, well, who's my neighbor? And we asked the same question. Now, see, I like Louie, but Rosa, I don't know. (laughs) Rosa can be mean sometimes. No, Rosa, Rosa makes me nice tacos. So I love Rosa because Rosa does good. Do you understand there's people in your life that are not nice? It's a new kind of love. There's people in this world who not only are not nice, they're actually mean to you. They say nasty things that are not true about you. Now what do you do? Well, what did God do? So let's read the story. Jesus is going to tell the story of redemption to this man. He's not going to tell this man what he should do. He's fixing to show this man what he's going to do. Listen to the story now. There was a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So that means there was a man named Adam that went from God to the world. He fell among thieves, the devil, who stripped him of his clothing, his authority. He wounded him, departed, and left him laying in the garden half dead. 
Now, by chance, a priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he went by the other side because a priest could not help a spiritually dead man. And a Levi, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side because he could not help. The law and religion cannot help you. A certain Samaritan had journeyed, came where he was, saw him, and had mercy on him. Does he know him? No, not necessarily. Is, is this man going somewhere? Yes. Does he have something to do? Yes. Is he being inconvenienced? You better believe he is. He's fixing to help a total stranger who not only he doesn't know, but will never pay him back. He's fixing to stop his life and help another human being. I'm going to make a statement to y'all. Very often in your life, you're going to be praying for God to do something and he's going to send somebody by to inconvenience you in the middle of something because he needs you to give mercy to someone who does not deserve it so God can have mercy on you. See, if you understood how this thing works, you're praying for God to move and he's been sending ugly people to you ever since. And all you're doing is getting mad about it. Now, I've told the story before, and I'm going to tell it again because you need to hear it. Right after I got born again, I had gotten poison ivy. Poison ivy is Georgia state flower. (laughs) Now, someone gave me a garden, and I got that stuff. And I mean, I had it everywhere. I had it under my armpits, I had it on my neck, I had it on my legs, I had it between my toes. I mean, I can't buy enough calamine lotion just pouring it over me. I looked looked like the pink weenie. I mean, I'm just covered in calamine lotion. And I'm in a mobile home that has an air condition in the living room that's about 12 inches by 8 inches. And ask me whether that thing cooled that trailer down. It didn't cool you down sitting in your face in front of that thing. So I'm in a tin can in the middle of summer with poison ivy and I'm sweating. I was one miserable human being. And so I'm laying in my bed and I'm reading the book of Job. When you're full of pity, you are going to find pity loves company. So I'm laying there reading the book of Job because he's the only one that understands what I'm going through right now. It's funny. This lady that lives next door, we had been telling her about Jesus. It's dangerous to tell someone you know Jesus and don't act like him. But she had a baby that got sick, and she knocked on our door and brought the baby to us to pray for it. Now, I know you don't believe when I'm an introvert, and I never prayed in front of anybody. And I wasn't about to start. And anyway, by the way, I'm laying in my bed feeling sorry for myself. And I'm laying there, and this lady comes over, and this kid is not crying, it's screaming. Um, it's got its little fist balled up so tight that its fingernails are cutting into its own fist. This kid is screaming with everything it has. It's just a little baby. And this baby's crying, and I'm laying in the bed, and I thought to myself, that woman needs to take that brat and go home. And I thought, I'm going to get up from my bedroom and go in the, in the, in the kitchen and give her the dirty look so she'll go home. Now, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know that look, because I've seen some of y'all come into church with that look on your face, that, that look that goes, now, you mess with me, buddy. I'm going to, you know, climb up one side, shoot down the other side. Okay, so we know y'all know that look, and I had that look, and I was going to give her that look and take that baby home. 
Well, I got up and I went into the, in, because there's no reason for there to be a screaming baby while I'm having poison ivy and me and Job are suffering. Don't add to my suffering. I'm already having a bad day. How many of y'all know God sent that baby? Yeah, he sent that. He sent that, you know, that baby that was screaming in your ear. He sent that one too. All right, so this baby comes in, and I walked into the li- living room, and the, I had a word of knowledge, and the Lord said, colic. I, I didn't know what a word, I just got saved. I didn't know what a word of knowledge was. I didn't even know nothing about nothing. And all of a sudden, my heart went out to the baby, and it hit me, this baby is in pain. And I was afraid to pray for the baby in front of the mother because I used to be introvert, even though you don't believe it. And I said, God, you get her out of here and I'll pray for the baby. And she looked and says, oh my God, I think I left my stove on and handed me the child. And she ran out the door. The moment I touched the child, (laughs) the power of God came up out of the inside of my belly, came down my arm and wham, hit that child and instantly healed it in my hands. And I'm sitting there, and I thought it stopped. I thought it fell asleep. It fell out in the power. I didn't know what falling out in the power was. And this baby went whoop right in my hands, and I went woo, glory to God. And so she comes back in the door, and I handed her, and she's crying. Oh, I knew you would pray. And I said, Lady, you don't want to know what I was praying when you came in. <laughs> and so I turned and walked down the hall to go back to my bedroom in my calamine lotion. And the Holy Ghost said, now you, the anointed hit me in my head and he totally healed my body. I said, what took you so long? He said, I couldn't help you because you were all damned up. I had to get you to quit thinking about yourself long enough to have the life of God and the love of God in your heart go out to someone other than yourself so that I could get that out of you. And the moment you gave your love away, I gave my love away. So here you're now healed. And I learned a lesson that day that if you want to walk in the love of God, you're going to have to get nicer. (laughs) Come on, y'all. You want love, you got to give this thing away. You want kindness, you're going to start being kind. And I ain't talking about to your friends. It might be your husband, might be your wife, might be your own children. Come on. Love is patient and it's kind. Y'all, I got one more story and I'm going to read to you. Are y'all ready with this? Because it's fixing to even get better. Go to 2 Samuel 4.4. Come on, y'all in the front row. I got to have some help. I, they're back there. They, they, just, they just barely woke up back there already. And I've been working on them for almost an hour now. 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. <laughs> now, I'm going to make a real racial statement. I love preaching in black churches. My God. You say something and black people answer you. You say something to white folk and they just look at you. That was all right. I mean, some of y'all need a suntan or something. I'm serious, y'all. <laughs> that would be racial, but that's the honest to God truth. I mean, the first time I ever preached in a black church, I mean, they did a better job of preaching than I did. 
I mean, you say something and they're like, yeah, baby, come on now, I got this. White folk. Thank you, thank you. God, send us some black folks. Send us some color in this church. <laughs> Either get these white folks saved or something, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the worst place I ever preached was up in Wisconsin. They didn't utter a peep. They didn't even change their face. That was hard. I'm preaching my heart out, and they're stoic. <laughs> and on the way out, they said, thank you. That was good. <laughs> I thought, God, thank you. I'm not called to Wisconsin. I would not be able to handle this. Man, you guys, I think they still froze up there or something. Just... Okay, so y'all know why I love y'all so much. Y'all just stay excited. If they get, I just preach to y'all. We just pretend like we're in church having a revival. And all okay, 2 Samuel chapter 4. Verse 4. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse took him up and fled, and it happened that she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Now, this is Saul's grandson, which was Jonathan is Saul's son, was supposed to be the next king, but Jonathan realized that God had anointed David to be king. Now, let me do a little, little station identification. Next Sunday, we're going to get into envieth not. I'm going to tell you what that actually means. God lifts up and God puts down. Don't spend your life worrying about what God does with other people. That's none of your concern. If God wants to bless Doug Bankston's church, that's between him and God. Maybe he's doing something God likes, and that's none of my business. Do you understand that? You, if you want God to bless you, you do what he told you to do. And don't be running around mad at people. If you're at work and you didn't get a promotion... Don't you hate the person who got the promotion? Well, right. I'm going to tell you all right now. They went, I've been here longer than them. Well, you might want to go home and look in the mirror and find out why they didn't promote you. That is what happened with Cain and Abel. Abel wasn't Cain's problem. Saul got mad at David. David wasn't Saul's problem. Saul's problem was in Saul's mirror. Your problem's in your mirror. Okay, that's next week. And it'll be, not, it'll be better than that. I'm just giving you the... Maybe I shouldn't have told you none of that. I mean, okay. All right, 2 Samuel 9. So we know who Mephibosheth is. He is the arch enemy of David. Saul is a type of Adam, and David is a type of Jesus. And you're going to hear. In verse, in chapter 2 Samuel 9, 1, it says, David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul so I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? That's covenant talk. Now, he said, what I want to know, is there anyone left in Jonathan's household? I want to show them kindness. He doesn't even know them. 
Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. We're not talking about kind to people who deserve it. We're talking about kind to even people who hate you just because of covenant. So let me slow up just a minute. Are you a Christian? Are you in covenant with Jesus? Are the people in this church in covenant with Jesus? Is it okay for you to be kind to them even though they don't know you, don't even you? And is it possible for you to do something for someone else even though they cannot pay you back? Yes, Yes, you can. That's what separates. That's what makes church, church. We're a family. I mean, some of y'all are cliquish. I mean, if you're not a member of, you don't have your last name, you're not getting in. There are people in this church have parties and no one ever invited unless they have the same last name. And you've been going to church for over two years. Folks, that's got to stop. You've got to reach out and find at least one other person in the building and find out what their name is. Take them to lunch. Woo, all kettling now. I mean, this is... Verse 2, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. When he called him to David, king says, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. He said, is there not someone of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is a son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. And the king says, where is he? And he said to him, he says, he's in the house of Micar in the Amiel in Lodabar. Lodabar was the city dump. That's, it was Bith, he lived in Bithlow. If you're not from here. Bethlehem's improving. It probably is. If a hurricane, if a tornado comes by and blows all the, tor- all the mobile homes down, it would be an improvement. But anyway, I didn't say that. This is the city dump. These are people eating out of trash cans. And David said, I want you to find this guy because I have a covenant with Jonathan. We should be doing this because we have a covenant. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Did God show you kindness you did not deserve? Why should you then show kindness to others? Not because they're good, but because you're good. And because kindness was given to you, you now can show kindness to other people. This is how Jesus said, they will know you're a Christian. That's not the way the world operates. Verse 6, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he fell on his face. And David said, Mephibosheth, he didn't know who he is. He didn't know who this kid is. And he says, here's your servant. And David said, do not fear. Why? Because this kid's scared out of his mind. The king of my grandfather, the enemy of my grandfather has called me to him. I'm fixing to die. Now the world right now, they think God is the bad guy. As a matter of fact, most Christian doctrines still have him as the bad guy. Because though their soul, their spirit got saved, their soul never did. They still see God as the problem. So the angel said, fear not. 
David said, don't be afraid. When you approach God, you don't have to be afraid of him. All right, let's move. Let's move. Because I'm, I'm, I, I, there's so much I want to say, and I'm, and I'm out of time. For surely I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. I'm going to restore to you all of the land that Adam lost in the garden. I'm going to restore to you everything you lost in the fall when you sinned. I'm going to restore to you the righteousness of Almighty God. I'm going to give you everything that I gave to Adam, and I'm not going to do it because you're good. I'm going to do it because I'm good. I'm going to restore health to your body. I'm going to restore prosperity to your checkbook. I'm going to restore love to your home. I'm going to restore you and put you back in the place and my walk that I had with Adam. And it's not going to be up to you. It's totally because of me. I'm just going to give it to you. Woo! Now, do you think it's possible to you to walk out of here today and be nice to somebody? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think God wants us to treat his kids nice. Now, you may not know this, but he actually likes the person sitting next to you. And he thinks well of them. He would appreciate it if you were kind to them. I didn't say because they were nice. I didn't say because they pretty. They might be ugly and from Bithlow. Be nice to them anyway. Oh, I'm preaching way better than y'all, amen. I'm on. What would happen if church people actually start acting like this? I love these girls going out witnessing. Talking total, total stranger. That woman can't pay her back. That woman can't help her back. They just walked up to a total stranger and gave her love. I mean, that's not, that's not normal in our world today. But God did it. And you are little Jesuses. And he, bowed, he said, I'm going to show you kindness for your father's sake. I'm going to restore you all the land of your saw, your grandfather, and you're going to eat bread at my table continuously. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Lord is my shepherd. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He restores my soul. Listen, that's called grace, folks. Goodness of God on us. All right. He, all he ever asked you to do was quit being mean to each other. Okay, boy, I'll tell you something about I think, I, I think y'all are changing even though uh, y'all may not be hollering very loud. I'm gonna, I think you change. Okay. And he bowed himself and he said, what is your servant that you should look on a dead dog as I am? And the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, says, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. 
<laughs> Somebody say, Jesus did it all. Man, I tell you. Therefore, you and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and bring in the harvest, and your master's son will eat food. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, will eat bread at my table forever. What did he do? Nothing. It's called kindness. What did you do? Nothing. It's called kindness. Kindness means no strings attached. You did it because you're good. You just did it because you wanted to do something good for somebody. This is good preaching. Now, I started off by telling you that I'm going to talk about agape love. This, this is nothing. The world, they don't have this. They don't have any. They don't live like this. It's dog eat dog. You, you get mad. You say something to me, I'll leave, and I'm, I'm out of here. I'll put up with your mess. And so people live in fear. A man looked at his wife and said, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave. I will be good to you no matter how ugly you are. She's liable to get nice. I think a woman can handle that kind of man. And vice versa. Kenneth Hagin made a statement one time. He said, Aretha and I are always trying to one-up the other one in love. I'm always trying to see what I can do for her. Whether she ever pays me back or not, I just want to do something for her. You ought to be in his love today with your wife as you were the day you married her. Amen. And maybe more so. Amen. You could if you wanted to. Amen. Shirley, I love you. <laughs> you stay around this church a while. I just love you. Isn't God good? Yes, I'm preaching holiness. Well, maybe you didn't know it. Wouldn't this change us? Wouldn't this change us? I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to, then I'm going to be quiet. I started studying this about two weeks ago. It hadn't been easy. I've said less than I usually say to people. I've been nicer than I normally am because I decided I'm going to learn to do this. A step out of love is a step out of God. You want to walk with God, you're going to walk in love. And I heard Kenneth Copeland make this statement one time. I didn't pay a lot of attention to him then, but I'm paying more attention now. I've never taken this, excuse me, as primary. I've always taken faith as primary. I've always taken knowledge as primary. Until I read that if you have all knowledge and you have no love, you're just a zero preacher. I went, oh, I don't want to be a zero preacher. I want to be number one preacher. <laughs> well, you're talking about fixing your house, fixing your home, your kids, people. People. I try. I was going to do this, and I may do it before it's over with. 
Do y'all remember that song, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. It's the only thing that there's just so little of. The world is getting crazy. What if we went crazy too? Crazy love. What if we actually went the other direction? And then there's another song. I want to know what love is. They don't know. You ain't finding it on Hallmark. Because that dog is always leaving that girl and going off with somebody else. Runaway bride. That ain't love. But then some of them I'd run to. You know, some would just run before you get married. But after you get married, once you've said I do, you be a man or woman of your word. Amen. Are y'all okay? Now I'm going to say this before we leave. I love y'all. There are times that I really, really spend a lot of time on a sermon just for you, and I do appreciate you coming to church. You need God. You need God more than you do money. You may not know that, but you do. You have all the money in the world, and if you're not walking with God, it'll fall apart in a nanosecond. I'm going to ask you to do something, and Lisa's going to come up in a minute. Stop being afraid to live for God. He didn't do everything he did to get something out of you. He did it for your benefit. If he loved you that much, couldn't you trust him just a little more? He's not harming you. Everything he's got is for your benefit. So let's pray. Father, I came in this morning with with a heart desire to... Preach the things that you're showing me in the Word of God. That, that, and I'm having a lot of fun studying this out because there's some of this I didn't even know. But the more I know, the more I'm able to walk it out in my life and become a better husband, better dad, better pastor. I pray all of us in this room would, would, would make it a goal in life to put on love, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to become a lot more like Jesus than we are. To follow after you and to trust you with our life. Pick up our Bible and not not see you as some legalistic person trying to make us mind, but someone who just wants us to have a better life. That's all. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that we eat at your table. But I pray that after today, we would have a greater love and respect for King David because he gave Mephibosheth a life. And Father, Jesus gave us life, and life abundantly. And I pray every one of us in this room would begin to understand what it means to love God with all of our heart. And as we do, as much as we love ourselves. And Father, that's my goal. And I pray that if nothing ever happens in this church, I've accomplished great things. And so I I give it to you, and I thank you for everyone who showed up today. I pray the blessings of Abraham on their life and on their homes. If there's sickness in their body, I come against it in Jesus' name. If there's problems in their marriage, I take authority over the devil trying to mess it up. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, to restore them to the joy of their salvation in Jesus' name. Well, God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. 
Thank you and have a blessed day.